Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. We're supposed to be glad and rejoice in it, and I trust we are. And uh, we have many of our people who are not able to be with us today. We need to continue to remember them in prayer. But we have much to praise the Lord for today. This past week, God saw fit to cause the Supreme Court of our land to overrule a decision that was made 50 years ago that caused much heartache, much strife, and much suffering in our country. We need to continue to pray, though, though, that the Lord will just heal our nation because it's a terrible situation in which we find ourselves when people cannot accept decisions that are made by those who are in authority. But I'm sure that our pastor will have much more to say about this next week, so keep tuned. Be here. We, this morning, want to look at a passage of Scripture, actually a couple of passages of Scripture that deal with God's initiative in justification. We're going to be looking at Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. You might think that because we're teaching that in our adult Sunday school class that I'm stuck in the epistle of Titus. Well, in some sense I am because I keep on reading it through each week. But this is a passage of scripture that is going to deal with this very matter, God's initiative and justification. But before we look at that passage of scripture, turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. Now, I know that I never sat in a class under... Doug Blunt, who used, was our uh, interim pastor a few years ago, and he used to always give his text, and then he would say, but before we do that, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. And, but uh, we need to look at some of these passages of Scripture that lead up to this. And this morning we're going to be reading verses 21 through 28 of Romans chapter 3. I'm sorry we don't have the Scripture on the board uh, if, if you have a Bible with you, we ask you to turn to it, if you would. If not, if there's a Bible there at the seat where you're sitting, you can use that also. But beginning with verse 21 of Romans 3. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being wit witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe... For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because of the forbearance of God. He passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, not no, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Notice in that 23rd verse, 
again, for most of us have memorized that at some time or other in our Christian life and experience, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Basically, our society assumes that people are inherently good. But as we look at the passage of Scripture and lifting our gaze to the ultimate standard of goodness, the holiness of, and the character of God, we realize that what appears to be goodness is corrupt to the core. Our problem with sin is that it is rooted in the core of our being. It permeates our hearts. In fact, a few verses before those verses that we read here in Romans chapter 3 in verse 10, Paul writes there that there is none righteous, not even one. It is because of this corruption and the verdict of Scripture that we are dead in trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Something radical needs to take place in our lives. We must be saved. But we're not saved from our fallen, sinful condition for our own sake. To give us an elevated sense of self-esteem, all the glory belongs to the Lord and to him alone. As David prayed in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, he prayed, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. So now looking at our text this morning in Titus chapter 3, we'll read beginning with verse 1 and read through verse 7 of this passage. We're reading there, remind them, Paul is writing to Titus, and telling him to remind the people that he is to minister to and to the leaders of the church there, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we pray that today as we look into this passage of Scripture and we consider this matter of your initiative in our justification, we might be blessed from the word of God that we might be blessed from that which the Holy Spirit teaches us. And we pray that you might be our teacher constantly throughout this time as we study the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Looking at verse 5 again, let me reread that this morning. He saved us, 
not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, the word salvation and related terms are used in various ways. Sometimes the writer uses these words to describe the whole process of salvation, which begins in our election by God and is completed in our glorification before him. Romans chapter 10 verse 1 uses saved this way when Paul expresses his desire for his Jewish kinsmen to be saved, that they might receive the salvation which God has for them. Paul is thinking of the entire scope of salvation. For them to be redeemed by Christ and enjoy all the benefits of salvation, justification, adoption, sanctification, and glorification. All of these words are used as we think of our salvation and what it involves for us in in our lives. But, for example, we find in 1 Corinthians uh, that other times Paul uses words to refer only to one aspect of salvation. And in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he speaks of those who are being saved. A clear reference to the ongoing purification from sin that believers experience in their sanctification. But in our passage this morning, verses 4 through 7 of Titus chapter 3, Paul speaks of how Christ has saved us. And he is plainly thinking of justification, which means, as we would uh, give a definition to this, being declared righteous. We have no authority. Pastor has no authority, elders have no authority, teachers in in the church have no authority to declare anyone righteous. The only one who can declare us righteous is God himself, the Lord. So this matter of justification that Paul speaks of and the word of God teaches us throughout scripture is being declared righteous in the eyes of God since he also says that we have been justified by his his or God's grace in verse 7 of this passage. Now, these verses explain the divine initiative in our justification. God did not justify us based on the works that we have done in righteousness. It is justification by grace alone. Justification is part is apart from any works that we have done and even apart from any works that any other sinner could have done for us. Because as we read in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So even if we had a godly grandmother as, as I had, and I know that she prayed for me, she prayed for her sons, she prayed for her children constantly, that would those prayers themselves would not save or make the individual justified. Only God can justify. We can pray that God would save and justify individuals, but as sinners, as we pray before a holy and almighty God, that we cannot cause someone else to have eternal life. Only God himself can do that. But God achieves this justification for us. He does this through the work of Christ alone. It's important for us to remember this fact. 
The reason is that several other theological systems say that God justifies us through his work, but also on account of the good works that we, we do. None of our works are worth, worth that as far as justification because our works are, as Scripture says, are as filthy rags before God when we do them in order to receive salvation or our justification. Our passage also today says that God saved us by the washing of regeneration. Notice in verse 5, the end of that verse, it says, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. One of the largest religious systems in our world takes this text such as this one and argues that we are justified initially through the instrument of water baptism. Now, this interpretation can't be correct, for Paul's most systematic treatment of justification makes it clear. Faith alone is the only instrument through which we receive the righteousness that justifies us. He writes in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, A man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, so that he may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Notice the last sentence of that verse, or phrase of that verse. Since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Paul, in our text this morning in Titus chapter 3, refers to baptism because it is a picture of something that occurs in our justification. Looking at Paul's words, washing by the Holy Spirit, we know that washing with water physically removes dirt from the body. And in justification, our sins are removed from us and put on Christ. It's a spiritual cleansing that Christ does for us. Then he also says in the end of that verse, and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Renewing signifies the complete transformation or change of a person's life that begins when one is regenerated or that word regeneration can mean reborn. Now, we've heard so much said throughout this past week concerning the matter of birth and abortion and so forth. We have never heard of anyone talking about being reborn if there's an abortion and so forth, but only God can do this as a spiritual rebirth being regenerated, being reborn. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 tells us that even when we were dead in our transgressions, God did what? He made us alive. Now, we can't make dead people walk. Only God can do that. God can make dead people alive spiritually. That's what Paul is referring to in Ephesians 2. Regeneration actually precedes the action of faith that we have. Let me illustrate that from John chapter 11. We know the story very vividly of Lazarus who had died, a friend of Jesus. Jesus loved him. In fact, we even read that when, when Jesus was there and he saw the people who were weeping and mourning over Lazarus' death, that Jesus wept because of this and seeing how, how this 
disturbed and distressed that they were. But with Lazarus, he was dead. Four days. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm sure that we, we would all know that someone who was dead that long and in the grave, the body would begin to decay. And what happened? Jesus came and Jesus called. And after Jesus called, what happened? Lazarus responded. Amazing. No one had ever seen anything like this before. Lazarus got up and walked out of the grave, out of the tomb, and approached Jesus. Why? Because he was reborn. In that, in that sense, physically, he was reborn. He was raised from the dead by Jesus, and he responded to the call. When the Lord redeems us, he calls us. And when we respond, we are responding by faith, which is a gift of God, that God gives us the gift to be able to do that. And we respond to that. But note that the word here is, is, is expressed in these, in these verses, that God the Father, the Trinity is, is working here, that God the Father saves us by the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, who is poured out through Jesus Christ, in verse 6, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So we see that God is the one who saves us by giving us rebirth, regeneration, and, re, and the Holy Spirit renews us as individuals that we might live for the Lord. And he, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through Jesus Christ our, our Savior and Lord. Then as we continue in this, in verse 7, we see that it tells us that we are in the process of being justified by his grace. You and I are not glorified. We're heading towards that. We are being sanctified by the word of God, by the, by the Lord himself. And he does this by justifying us so that we live and we are declared righteous and we live, seek to live righteous lives before him. But left to ourselves, we could not stand righteous before God. Notice what Paul said and wrote here in verse 3. For he said, we, for we also once were foolish ourselves. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were enslaved to various lusts and various pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. If you watched the news this past week, at least the latter part of the news this past week, you saw hateful people, people showing hatred towards other people and other systems and other other uh, individuals as far as political parties and so forth, the hatred that was there. And Paul is saying, we were all this way. And we have a tendency to show that hatefulness even in the, as we are in the process of being justified and declared righteous before God. But God's the point here is that the whole passage is that righteousness comes and justification comes through God's grace alone and we receive it through faith alone 
and also in Christ alone. God's purpose in extending grace to us as sinners is not only to save us from eternal judgment, but to make us part of the family through adoption and heirs of his promise. Notice the precious truth that we find in verse 7. So that being justified or declared righteous by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What does that word be, uh, that fact that Paul writes here concerning the matter of being made heirs according to the hope of eternal life, what does that mean to us? That means that we are adopted into the family of God. We are, in as part of that family, we are joint heirs with other believers in Jesus Christ. God his purpose in extending that grace to us is that we might be saved not only from that eternal punishment, but to make us part of his family, along with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God uses his word according to his good pleasure to create and sustain faith in the elect. We're justified by faith alone, and faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I believe as I look around, the few people that we hear today have here today, everyone has made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. You're justified by the grace of God, not because of anything you did, not because you may have walked an aisle or because you did various other things, but because God loved you and saved you as you called upon him in faith. God's initiative in justification is seen in this. He saved us and justified us and made us righteous according to his mercy. We need to praise him for his love. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Though we briefly looked at this passage of Scripture, that you took the initiative in justifying us. For we were lost in sin. And being sinners, we were separated from you and had no way of coming to you apart from your justification, declaring us righteous by your precious Son, Jesus Christ. We ask today that you would Continue to help us to grow in our faith, to love you, and to follow you in whatever way you would call us to serve you. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.